Yanmar trying to get it towards the empty net. He dives. He scores. Hat trick. Game seven. Yanmar. Live from the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studios and live at LVSportsNetwork.com. And he comes, fakes. He scores. Mark Stone, shorthanded goal. Took the goal off its pegs, lost his stick, but more room to pump his fist. This is the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Your destination for inside access with the team, exclusive player interviews, and breaking news from around the National Hockey League. Here are your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Let's get into it. Hour number two of the VGK Insider Show, dealing with day one of VGK training camp. Uh, Darren Millard, Ryan Wallace, Chris Chapman, and pleased to bring in the head coach of the Vegas Golden Knights uh, right off the bat uh, to kick off hour number two. Here's Pete DeBoer. That that had some energy uh, out there today, Coach. So great to be back, uh, Darren, and, uh, and everybody else. I mean, uh, you know, I think we've uh, obviously been off for a couple months, but um, you know, with the way it finished and some of the moves made in the off season, I think there's just a, a real excitement to get back and uh, and get this going again and, and take another swing at it. That was interesting when you mentioned it's it's your third year with the organization and your first time that you've been around a, a lot of these players because your other two tune-ups, one for the bubble and, and one for last season, had such a much smaller group. This is, this is your f- kind of uh, breaking the seal in a lot of ways. Yeah, I feel like uh, Doogie Hauser graduating high school in, in four years. Uh, you know, it's funny, but uh, I feel like I know our group really well, having uh, been in three playoffs with them, the bubble last year in the shortened season, and uh, or sorry, two playoffs and two two long playoff runs. So you, you really get to know the group, but. Uh, you know, I, I didn't or hadn't had the opportunity to spend any time with our young players or our draft picks over the last two years uh, because we, we started in January training camp last year and the year before that was was just the bubble camp and we had a short camp so we didn't bring in everybody. Um, so it's been a great week for me starting uh, in Phoenix with the, the rookie tournament and really getting to watch some of the draft picks. And we got a lot of depth in this organization and, and the future is really bright. I don't know the answer to this question. Uh, I don't have the foggiest clue. When was the last time you ran a practice in front of that many people? Yeah, that, that was shocking too. I, I think it was. Um, so I uh, I came in in January, uh, yeah. uh, replaced Gerard. Uh, we started with 10 games on the road. And I believe uh, at that point, uh, the first time we practiced, during that 10-game road trip, uh, we had fans in the building because that, that was a, a different experience for me. I, I had never seen the, the stands full and uh, the, the flags waving uh, like they do in Vegas. So that, that was awesome. But, you know, you're going on, you know, almost two years right. ago now uh, since we've had that. So it was, it was great to skate out to that tonight. Pete DeBoer is with us, the head coach of the Vegas Golden Knights, getting ready for his uh, third year with the Golden Knights, but first full training camp as he chat with us uh, on Fox Sports Las Vegas, Ryan. Yeah, Pete, uh, I want to kind of circle back to, to what you talked about with some of the draft picks and the prospects that are coming up. In terms of kind of this training camp being your first real chance to, to work with them, what are some of those coaching cues you're trying to instill in those players as they continue to improve and get better? 
Well, uh, I, I think you just want to instill what it means to, to be a Vegas Gold Knight and how we want to play and the identity we want to play with. And, uh, you know, that's we want to be the hardest working team on the ice every night. We want to make sure that we're playing the right way. We want to make sure you have those team first values and leadership and, and uh, you know, and, and, and you represent uh, uh, the entire organization wherever you go. And, and I think... Uh, one thing I've really noticed with this organization, they put a, a lot of thought into who they sign and who they draft and the character of the people they're bringing in um, because you have to fit. And uh, um, I think that's a, a great place to start. Your room is different this year. Uh, how much do you work with that and, and pay attention to that, or does it just naturally grow? Oh, it's a great point. Um, you know, first, uh, I have to say, uh, you know, the culture of this team was created by the people who were here at the start. Uh, you know, back to Derek Englund and obviously Flower, who's moved on, but Ryan Reeves is part of that. And even guys like Nate Schmidt and on and on, uh, you know, just some great people. Uh, I think uh, the beauty of the culture is as we've taken those key people out, uh, that culture has continued. Uh, you know, the next the next group of guys have grabbed it and ran with it, and it might not be the, the same personality or the same volume uh, that some of those guys uh, <laughs> uh, were around, but, uh, you know, that culture's continued, and, and those guys set the tone for that. And, um, you know, I'm confident that uh, we've got a great room and can can handle the fact that we've taken some big personalities out. And it also allows some room for others to grow, uh, I would assume. Yeah, 100%. Um, you know, I think uh, I, I look at Alex Peter Angelo, and he showed up here last year, you know, Stanley Cup champion of the St. Louis Blues. Um, you know, and it took him a while to get, get used to uh, – Vegas and our team and our room, he looks so much more comfortable this year. It started in the playoffs, and that, that carried over into how he played. He was absolutely dominant, maybe the best player you know, on, on, on either team as the playoffs went on. Um, you know, and that's a good example of a guy who's going to be a lot more comfortable to take a, a much bigger role in those areas this year. Opening in a training camp at City National Arena with fans in attendance. Uh, head coach Pete DeBoer ran practice today, watched the scrimmage, and is now on the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas with Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. You know, Pete, a lot of the, the changes that happened in the offseason saw uh, some some additions up front, Nolan Patrick and Brett Howden, Evgeny Dadinov. Uh, when you look at this forward core on paper going into this camp, is this such a deep, deep core with a lot of different possibilities should you choose to, to change some things up or just kind of look for different combinations? Well, first, I love our depth. Um, I, you know, I think obviously – we had some really tough decisions to make as an organization over the summer. And uh, I think when you look at um, Tampa Bay, uh, you know, and, and look at them back-to-back Stanley Cup champions, I think their last four, five, six goals that they scored in the Stanley Cup playoffs were, were scored by their third or fourth line. Um, so, you know, that depth scoring at that time of year uh, is critical because 
uh, you look at McDavid and and those type of players, uh, McKinnon. You know uh, what we did to him. They they can be controlled and contained uh, if you don't have depth underneath them uh, that can take some of that pressure off them. So, you know, I I, I think uh, there's some really hard decisions made that you know we we had five to seven million dollars in cap space a, a night sitting on the bench in, in the backup goalie position and and uh you know we wanted to use it to, to add some of that depth for that time of year and uh i think we did that i, I love the additions i love the feel of the depth not only um is it going to put pressure on uh all our forwards to move up and down the lineup but it's going to put pressure on we're going to have tough decisions to make uh, as far as guys in and out of the lineup every night, which we haven't had a lot of those over, over my time here. So uh, I'm excited about all those things. You know, you've coached one game that didn't matter in the standings or in the playoffs uh, with this organization, and that was in the bubble getting ready. And it mattered because nobody had played in months and you had to get everybody up to, to speed. So how much tweaking or experimenting or anything what will you do with these with these seven exhibition games yeah i'm really looking forward to it uh i'm looking forward to it because it allows you to build like you would in a normal in a normal season mm-hmm. pre-covid uh where you know the coaches spend the summer coming up with ideas on what to keep and what to throw out and, and what to work at and what to implement and what's going to make us better and and then you get a, a full training camp and seven exhibition games to work on those things and, and also uh, take a, a real look at young guys and a real look at new line combinations and, and things like that uh, without the pressure of we have to win tonight or, uh, you know, we're going to lose home ice advantage or, or fall behind Colorado for first overall or whatever we're fighting for that week. So. Um, it's just it's just nice to, to be back to normal that way. Going to let you go here, but uh, before we do that, uh, I just want to acknowledge what you are going to get to do in February with uh, Team Canada and the Beijing Olympics and the 2022 uh, Winter Games. Uh, you're going to be on the staff uh, with, with John Cooper, you and Misha Donskov. Uh, I don't know whether you're an Olympic guy growing up, but uh, I kind of lean towards uh, you being that way. Uh, and your focus is on the Golden Knights right now, but just where does that stack up, this this opportunity for you? Well, you know, it, it, it's amazing, but uh, obviously anytime you can represent your country, it's it's awesome. And, I, and I've got the opportunity to do that on a number of occasions at World Championships. The Olympics is a whole different level. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I don't think I realized it until I told my 80-year-old mother, um, you know, that I was going to be on the Canadian Olympic staff and, you know, her reaction to it. Um, what was you know, it? Well, you know, it was, it was, it was shock. And then, you know, she got really emotional, you know, like that, that's, that's the, the top of the mountain uh, other than, than a Stanley cup for, for someone uh, uh, who, who's been around uh, and seen as much as she has. So, uh, and and who's who's uh, you know very proud to be uh, a Canadian. So you know it was uh, it, it was awesome. And then you know the the flip side of that is just the great learning you can do uh, being in a staff uh, on a staff with the people 
like that and in a coaching room with those groups we got a chance to go in the summer to Calgary and and really share ideas for a week uh, so you come out of those situations a better coach every time you get an opportunity to do them I can't wait for that journey and uh, this journey that we're starting right now with the Vegas Golden Knights is going to be 82 games uh, long and it's going to be uh, one that uh, that we haven't experienced in a couple of years and uh, we'll be right along for the ride. Uh, thanks for doing this on day one of training camp. I know you're jammed. Really appreciate it and uh, we can't wait uh, for the weekend to see what you got in store. Yeah, I can't wait either, guys. Thanks. There's Pete DeBoer uh, joining us on day one of training camp. This is the VGK Insider Show. This is where you get guests like Pete DeBoer, mm-hmm. on these big days, stopping by to give you uh, an idea of what to expect and a little bit behind the scenes on on that conversation that he, that he has with his mom. Yeah, I mean, it, it was, it, it, it's such a cool uh, just acknowledgement, I guess, of, of where you're at as a coach. And, and as he mentions, the top of the mountain, right, in terms of representing your country going to the Olympics outside of a Stanley Cup. So it, it's going to be a really eventful year for uh, head coach Pete DeBoer, but I mean, I'll tell you the thing I pulled out of of that interview that that I think speaks volumes to where this Golden Knights team is going into the season is what Pete talked about with the Tampa Bay Lightning. When you look at that team and and the, where the goals in the final two games of the Stanley Cup Final came from for Tampa, um, and just trying to find a way to to maximize your depth, especially as you get closer and deeper into the season um, I, I thought that that was really telling because you know as, as we've talked about here are they going to go into the season with you know things kind of status quo how much experimenting is there going to be how do you kind of stretch the depth as far as you can um, I, I think that that's a, a very telling and interesting perspective from Pete DeBoer as we go into into training camp Chapman was it you yesterday that brought up Gage Quinney or was it Ryan like where do we see no it was me yeah okay because I, I think that's a really important part is it's not a commentary on Gage. It's really a compliment to what they put together from the forward core here that you're not going to have one guy sitting out that thinks he should be in the lineup. You look at that roster out there today and if healthy, you're going to have a few guys who either have legitimate NHL experience who are coming up through the pipeline who believe that they should be in the lineup and would be in the lineup if they were with another organization. Yeah, it's it's kind of cool. I was talking to some people today, and, and we were talking about Patrick Brown and how the two people I was talking with, they just really like what Patrick Brown brings to a team. The leadership, the fact that he, he doesn't have an ego, he can do so many different things for you, and reality is Patrick Brown is probably going to be a guy who starts the season in Henderson. And while I think that's good because I think his leadership will help some of the younger guys learn how to be professionals, he's also a guy that can help the Golden Knights win teams. So when you have a guy like that, that he 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 is good enough to play in the NHL, but you have to have him in Henderson because you have other guys who are just as good, if not better. It's a good problem to have. And, and we talked about that yesterday when you have to have good players go down to the minors because you have an overabundance of quality players. The pace and the flow of practice today was really um, noticeable in the sense that it was quick and back and forth and, and very much engaged and sharp for the first day of training camp. Then the scrimmage occurred. And let's walk through some of what we saw today. 
Uh, one, the lines were very traditional. The, you had the Stone, the Stevenson, the Pacioretty, the Misfits uh, were together. Uh, today, uh, for the third line would be Patrick and Janmark and Dadnoff uh, would have been there. Yep. Uh, you had uh, Nick Waugh along with Will Carrier and Keegan Colasar. So somewhat w- what what you would expect. Uh, mm-hmm. The actual scrimmage itself, Pacioretty, very engaged, very physical. Had had some great chances, and we're not going to break down scrimmages every day. But uh, I think for the first day, it, uh, it acknowledged uh, something that happened. Uh, Laurent Bressois made some some nice saves. Caden uh, uh, Korzak scored a goal. Uh, there is the the shot block that that we mentioned earlier in the program uh, from Alec Martinez, which got the one of the loudest emotional responses from the players and then uh, the fans. Uh, so the, I think there's Krebs. Krebs had some moments today. There is there is a lot that that happened in and around that scrimmage. Yeah, I, I thought the scrimmage had a, a lot of pace, and and I thought it was, you know, good to see the players kind of engaged in that setting this early in the training camp. Uh, as as you mentioned, Aaron, there you kind of hit on on a lot of different things. Alec Martinez was certainly kind of a player that that showed well in the scrimmage. There were some other players too that I thought had. Uh, some some good moments. Uh, you look at Pavel Dorfeyev and and just kind of the ability for him to to hold on to the puck in certain situations. That you, you look for those glimpses where you say, okay, I, I can see where his game is and what he's a, incredibly good at. And then you you know you look at a player like Peyton Krebs who, especially in a scrimmage like this where you're you're this new into camp. I think Peyton Krebs' motor is just phenomenal. The guy works so hard. He's able to get to the front of the net. He's hounding pucks. And I think that it's the work that he puts in that kind of separates him and, and, and in my opinion, has him on the cusp of earning a spot on the roster. And watching one of those scrimmages from where we were able to witness it, although you two decided to snub me and stand on your oh own. really that's how instead it went, of huh? instead of hanging wave to you and you me. walked right by me yeah i, I, I didn't okay. see that's fair i walked by Literally. as i was walking in and you were outside talking to some dude so i wasn't i wasn't going to interrupt you i was like all right well i'll wait for darren and it took a long time and they were starting so i was like eh, i better go in so you yeah. saw me and yes. you didn't say hi well you were no, no, talking no. to somebody no, here's, so and, hold on hold on hold on and wallace here's, saw me and didn't say hi uh, Okay, I, I literally waved to you. Here's the thing. <laughs> you told us to be at the rink at 9.45. At, like, 9.58, you were outside talking to somebody. Yeah. What are we supposed to do with that, Darren? Yeah. yeah I was. Uh, I even stopped and got bagels for you. I was with the Maroons he did? on the radio. And I got a bagel. Yeah. I, was I was great. with the Maroons on the radio I got your bagel. until 9.45. And then I, then I was hanging out with my buddy Mike. Uh, Mangello, uh outside the rink, and then I went in. Yeah, so I was I was somewhat tardy in that. Yeah, sense. somewhat. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, but like, or, hey, or, let's meet at nine forty-five. Hey, I'll tardy. stroll in at like ten oh five. It's totally. <laughs> fine. I didn't see the two. <laughs> it's okay. Uh, defensive pairings. You had uh, Petrangelo and Martinez. You had mm-hmm. uh, Theodore and McNabb, Hag and White Cloud. So, and then uh, the the others who are vying for a spot there but it was it was very much a hit the ground running type setup when you looked at the lines and the pairings mm-hmm. uh with that and and sometimes you, you can look at it both ways you can go okay there's a bunch of if pete Boer, pete DeBoer would have went in a different direction 
and put a lot of different combinations together, uh, you would have said, okay, that's just training camp and you're, you're getting ready. Uh, in this in this fashion, it's just pick up right where you left off and see where you go. Although I think not all like the misfit line may have two of the three players playing in a, in a preseason game. You might put somebody else in there uh, just the way the way things shake down and, and before uh, certain roster decisions are made. But I, I thought it was interesting that it was status quo in a sense of what we saw from the end of last year to, to now with that third line being unique. Did did that change your percentages going into game one of, of what the lineup's going to look like? A, a little, yeah. Yeah. A, a, a little. Yeah. Uh, and, and Bumped me up to 90%. Did it? Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm, I expected things to be uh, all over the place today. On the first day of training camp, <laughs> with, with the combinations, and and maybe yeah. like, there's something to be said with going in with familiarity. Start a, start with a crisp practice and a good scrimmage, and we might see those different combinations coming on t- tomorrow's practice, 10 a.m. City National Arena, again open to the fans, or Saturday. And I expect a big crowd on Saturday. If you're planning mm-hmm. on going to Saturday scrimmage, I would get there early. Not like me early, where I was actually. Yeah, no, right late. Time. No, you were late. Frog <coughs> in my throat. You all right? No. Bit of a tickle, you know, one of those tickles. That's yep. where I, I needed you to yep. talk for a couple of seconds. Chapman, say something. Oh, I mean, like oh, I, 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 okay. mean I. Well, I mean, I said I said you were late, and then you just you know you stopped talking. I yeah. felt bad. I apologize. Yep. Uh, Steve Kozari. I think that was Steve Kozari, veteran referee out there today. Yeah. <laughs> Working the game. Yeah, there were a, there were a couple of, of offside calls. There was uh, an icing. Uh, no penalties, so no opportunity for the power play power to get play. to work. Uh, but, you know, I, I mean, like, again, all in all, there were there – were, there was good pace to the scrimmage. Like, there was no kind of dipping your toe in the water and kind of wading into it like – this was a high-energy practice and a really, really solid scrimmage for day one of training camp. And they will play their first game on Sunday. Uh, you can listen yes. to it on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Uh, you can also go to the game against the San Jose Sharks on us. We have a couple of tickets to give away. Uh, call now at 702-876-1340. 702 be mm-hmm. caller number, Chapman. Be caller number twelve. <laughs> that's that's the greatest thing about Chapman. We've all gone low lately, trying to make life easy on him. Well, twelve isn't a high number. And yeah. then he picks he picks twelve. Well, twelve is not a high number. No. Well, no. Just hold on, hold on. Just just for clarity, uh, I've been told that we need to go higher in terms of digits when it comes to to callers because if we go super low, like five or seven then it doesn't give a lot of chances for people to call in. So we've got to at okay. least get like ourselves into the 20s at, okay. at minimum. Well, let's go 12 today well, because 12, that yeah. number that number's been thrown out there, and I don't want any sure. legal challenges. Uh, well, maybe to, they'll to call the Sam and Ash. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And uh, they're our lawyer. 
We don't want because we don't want I know them. how good they are, and uh, I don't want to go up against them. No, we don't have to. We don't want to ask them how to beat us because we screwed up and gave out two exactly. numbers. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, give us a call now, seven zero two eight seven six thirteen forty. Caller number twelve. Uh, you will be going with somebody else to Sunday's Golden Knights preseason opener against the San Jose Sharks. So we are back with one timers, and yes, there is Jack Eichel news. It's uh, the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas. On to the near wing. Big shot. He scores. It's time for one-timers. Quick looks at some of the biggest stories of the day. And it's a tie hockey game. On the VGK Insider Show. Let's get into it. Starting in Buffalo. And we may finish in Buffalo because this is so nasty (laughs) and complicated. That yeah. Jack Eichel situation with the Buffalo Sabres on the opening day of training camp uh, might take up the entire segment of one-timers for this Thursday, whatever it is, none the day. Yeah. So Jack Eichel, the news is that he failed his physical at Buffalo Sabres training camp. Not a big surprise because he's got the mm-hmm. uh, yeah. the neck injury. Right. What is news is. The Buffalo Sabres organization followed up and almost doubled down on the disconnect between the Sabres and their player by stripping him of his captaincy. So they take the initiative and say, okay, you don't agree with what we're saying. We are going to go in a different direction with the captaincy. They didn't name another captain. They just took it over uh, as they go through this impasse over surgery options. Eichel wants disc replacement surgery. If you're new to the situation, the Buffalo Sabres want fusion surgery uh, of the disc. Uh, one has is been done forever. Uh, the other, the disc replacement surgery that Jack Eichel wants has never been performed on a hockey player. I don't know. It To, to just kind of add some, some nuance, I, yeah. I suppose, to that, it, when it comes to the fusion, right, there are about 25% of people that get fusion have to get another surgery within a 10-year span. Yes. So there's there's that added layer to kind of the decision for, I would imagine, Jack Eichel's camp saying, hey, listen, just because it's been forever, maybe there's something that might work a little bit better and potentially pre- prevent me from having to have another neck surgery while I'm still in a productive part of my career. I don't know for sure, but, but the logic in me tells me that the fusion surgery is less risky. And obviously that the fact that a hockey player has never had the disc replacement surgery. So I see what, what, where the Buffalo Sabres are going with this. I also understand, like, why would Jack Eichel, if he could just have one neck surgery, like surgery on the neck? Sounds a little, uh, a little touch and go just to start with. Never mind uh, uh, when you throw in the the... The next side of it. So here's the deal. Let's let's set it up again. Jack Eichel fails his physical, uh, removed as as the captain. What's the next step here? Where do we go from this stage with the Buffalo Sabers, who know that Jack Eichel wants to be traded? He doesn't get along with the everybody that represents the Buffalo Sabers management owners. I, I would assume fall into that uh, umbrella. Where, where does it actually go from this stage? What do you think, Ryan? 
I, I mean, I think that the the only real solution that I can see right now is that Jack Eichel is going to be more or less forced into having the surgery that the Sabres want him to have because I don't see how Buffalo can trade him for what they want, which is trading him as if he's a healthy Jack Eichel and getting the return that they need without him playing and proving to the world that he's a healthy player. And that's the next layer, is the Buffalo Sabres are being asked by the player to move their face of the franchise. The Sabres are actually saying, okay, we'll look at it, but we want legitimate value. We want Jack Eichel at his best type value. And nobody's okay. going to give you that. So that's... Well, that a- that asset doesn't exist right. right now in this moment. So there's... If nobody gives you that type of value and the Buffalo Sabres, which you would agree with, want top value because they got to turn this thing around there, then you're then you're at a second impasse uh, over over how this thing gets done. Here's the end game that I predict, and this is mm-hmm. my opinion only, but I've looked at the tea leaves here. Jack Eichel fails his physical. Done. They've taken away the mm-hmm. captaincy. Done. Buffalo Sabres have made their statement. Jack Eichel, we want you to have the fusion surgery. If he refuses, I see a, a way where the Buffalo Sabres are going to go, okay, you're suspended. We're gonna, you're not going to go along with what we want. We're going to suspend you because they, they can save $10 million if they suspend sure. him. They don't have to pay him. They don't have to go the insurance route and anything, anything. And I think I think the insurance company may not pay the contract because insurance companies really don't want to pay any money. They they sure. they would look at this and go, uh, he's not doing what he's told, so we're not going to pay either. So if they suspend him, I see a path where Jack, on his own, he's already suspended. He's not making any money. Mm-hmm. He's outside the organization via that that punishment I see an avenue where he just goes on his own sure and gets the disc replacement surgery now there's a risk there if the disc replacement surgery doesn't work and there's any complications he could be in a situation where his contract's voided entirely uh-huh. but if it does work and he's healthy he gets the surgery that he wants and he's healthy and he gets back to being a viable commodity for somebody to trade for that right now barring all the impasse in both the trade talk with teams not wanting to surrender uh, top value for an injured player uh, and the uh, failing the physical that is my route to Jack Eichel playing again in the National Hockey League. Do you do you do you agree or disagree with that path? I I think the path is logical and if if I were hoping for a resolution, if I were hoping for a way to see that come to pass, that would be the way to do it. If if it gets to a point where Jack is suspended because he wants to have a say oversimplification or not, but he wants to have a say in what type of procedure he has on his neck, then go that route. Get suspended, 
get the get the surgery that you want, hope that it works out, and from there, you know, you either you either come back and, and you're a brand new player or uh, you know, you exhaust other avenues. But I, I do I, I'm sorry, in this situation, when it comes to dealing with your neck, when it comes to dealing with kind of quality of life questions that are going to uh, follow around Jack Eichel throughout the rest of his life, not just his hockey playing career. I feel like the player in that instance should have a say in what happens to their body. Okay, now you get into a wanting to choose, which gets us back to Sam and Ash and and, and the vaccination. Sure. But I I get it. I would want I would want to have a say too, in in what happens uh, with my body. It, it, it's just. This is a little bit more nuanced than a broken ankle or mm-hmm. a torn ligament, right? Like this is this goes beyond just kind of things that are, are run of the mill wear and tear or or clean breaks, what have you. This is you know, this these types of, of surgeries have ramifications well past your your playing days. And, you know, again, it in terms of the Buffalo Sabres, their commitment to Jack Eichel only lasts for five more years. Jack Eichel's commitment to his, himself and his body is forever. And and I just feel like in this situation, um, a little bit of that nuance needs to be put into the equation. And quite frankly, the, the ability to look past Jack Eichel as just a, an asset or a hockey player and view him as a, as a human, as a person, um, is lacking. And, and it's unfortunate to me in this situation. You call it nuance. You use that terminology. Mm-hmm. I'll use different terminology. $50 million. That's what Eichel has left on his contract starting this year. Yep. Does he Does he want to make the $50 million? The easiest way to do that is to have the fusion surgery that the Sabres want him to I, have. If, well, if, I think the answer, I think the answer right now is that no, the $50 million isn't as important to Jack Eichel as his quality of life after hockey. If he goes the disc replacement surgery and the path that I spelled out, which is mm-hmm. like going against every <laughs> like everything, the team, yeah. the medical advice, the, the everything. If he goes that route, then I, I think he risks the contract being voided if he's if he's not healthy enough. Mm-hmm. Heck, he might mm-hmm. risk being the contract being voided anyway. Although I think right. the Sabers would. Uh, would like to trade him and being able to uh, get something back for him. Like, I don't think that's necessarily a good thing for, for anybody. But it, but if he goes that, that disc replacement surgery, if he's suspended, sure. and, and it doesn't go great and the contract is is voided, you lose out on, on like multi-generational wealth. No, I, and I'm not well, sure I listen, can make I'm that not, decision. I'm not... You know, I'm not arguing with with that. Now, you're absolutely right. Like in, in terms of what's left on the contract versus what Jack's essentially made so far in his career, like we're we're talking about a lot of money on the table. But again, I, I think that the the line drawn in the sand right now for Jack Eichel is the money is not worth what I think, what I deem to be a risk to mm-hmm. what happens to me when I'm 45, when I'm 55, when I've got kids, when I want to have a normal functional life after hockey and that's where jack has to draw the line because again the buffalo sabers you mentioned the contract they're beholden to jack eichel for five more years beyond that it they 
it, clearly there's there's a divide. So I'm looking out for my best interest, and if if quality of life is more important than $50 million, I think it's a hard line to draw on the sand. Now, if he ends up doing the disc replacement surgery and it voids his contract, then that's a, a huge gamble for sure. But at least then the decision's in his hands, right? At least then you, you are understanding uh, of what is going on. And it would also take away the one thing that the Buffalo Sabres are trying to hold on to at this point, and that's recouping assets for Jack Eichel that they probably should have moved on from again earlier on in the offseason when it made some sense to do so, and there was some trade value on the table there. He's been captain since 2018. Uh, Kevin Adams, the general manager of the Buffalo Sabres, said that he spoke to Jack a couple of days ago. Uh, he spoke to the team yesterday. Uh, I was told that he was very emphatic with the team, saying the guys have to be there. Guys have to want to be there. Guys have to buy into being a Buffalo Sabre. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know whether I mentioned Jack by name, but like this is definitely an organization that is putting Jack Eichel in the in the spotlight of distraction and trying to rally the organization around who is here for this organization. It's it's as nasty of a situation as I've seen in a long time. Now, the LA Kings took away the captaincy from Dustin Brown a couple of years ago. Give it yep. Anzi Kopitar. And it was not popular at the like teammates love Anzi Kopitar, but it sure. Dustin Brown was in a flat spot in his career or a dip in his career. He didn't see it coming. It took a while to get past that. He was really hurt. Mm-hmm. That was a production and leadership situation and giving it to your best player. This is very different. This is a decision of are you who are you with? The team or the player? And uh the Buffalo Sabres. I don't after what happened today with the captaincy. Yep. That was a real uh, turning point in this. If there was any way that it could be rescued. Yep. And we've seen bad situations where you thought, there's no coming back from this, and they come back from it. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I, I don't think there's a way to come back from this now. No, I mean, it was simply done to spite Jack Eichel. Yeah. Like, that's clearly what it is. Because if you're not going to name a replacement, because, like, to strip the captaincy means to, you know, to, to, have that open to give to somebody else, another candidate that you might have in mind. And if you're not going to do that, then really with Jack being on IR and trying to figure out what happens next, there's no real reason that you've got to strip the captaincy. You could just say, well, the captain's injured or he's not around because he's injured. But uh, this was this was done simply to deliver a message to Jack Eichel. Do you agree and with it? Do you, do, you, do you think it was warranted? I, I don't. I mean, like, if you're still trying to trade this guy, why are you tanking more trade value by 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 stripping him of his captaincy and making this this more about his decision to not be there for his teammates than than his his right to choose mm-hmm. what happens with his body in terms of of surgery on his neck? And there's two like there's two uh, parts of the leadership of of, of Jack Eichel. One, he had agents and representatives. Mm-hmm who went down this path with him and then he changed agents and he's still yeah. continuing down this path. So uh, it's multi layers of advice and representation and he's still there. So he obviously 
firmly believes in this. Yeah, I mean, listen, he's he's got his experts and he's got his people that say this is the best option for you. And the the fact that he doesn't want to have a specific type of surgery that the Buffalo Sabres doctors want him to have when there's already kind of been been distrust growing between those two factions. Yeah. Like all of a sudden now you're not a leader because you don't want to get a surgery that you don't want. Like it, it blows my mind. It really does. I I I don't feel like the Buffalo Sabres are coming out on the right side of this even though it's within their parameters in the CBA. At some point you've got to treat them like a human being. And and I just don't feel like they're doing that right now with Jack. I don't know anybody that came out of this in a better spot today. The player. That's fair. The team. That's fair. Heard them all. Uh, who was our winner today with the tickets? His name was Dwayne. Dwayne, congratulations. Dwayne, yes. uh, you're going to Sunday's VGK preseason opener against the San Jose Sharks. Uh, if you're not going to the game, listen to it on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Back with catching up with Chapman on this great day of the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports. We're back to the Findlay Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studios. This is the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Here's Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Good busy show. Ashley Dice, the new ringside reporter on AT&T Sportsnet and with the Vegas Golden Knights social media uh, channels. Uh, new co-worker on the show earlier and Pete DeBoer in hour number two. If you missed uh, those conversations, you're driving around, you just turn on the radio and you might, ah. Uh, download the podcast. It'll be posted in a couple of minutes. Chapman. All right. Well, I was going to say it's. I am going to say it's very, very exciting to be back out at City National Arena. It was great to be surrounded by the fans. Uh, I thought it was really cool what the players did at the end. You guys did mention that you know saluting the fans, and I think the fans mean a lot more to this team than I think maybe in a lot of other cities. Um, you know, it, it's interesting because I've lived here for twenty two years and. I never thought I would see the day that we have professional sports of that level in this city, and it's just kind of cool to, to see it back, and it's very cool because if I wasn't doing this, I would be a fan, and I probably would have been one of those people there today cheering for the team, and it's just really nice to have that back. It's a return to normalcy. Um, you know, I hope everyone stays safe and healthy, and, and hopefully, uh, you know, we, we just get better from here and, and, and keep going because it, it was just such a great experience to be back out there today and seeing – a lot of my friends in the media who I hadn't seen for a long time. And, uh, you know, it was just great to be surrounded by the fans and, and see that experience once again. Because while I didn't forget what it was like, I missed it. And it was just very nice to, to, to get that back in my life. You didn't ask any questions today during the media availability. No, no. I mean... You sat in the back with near me. Yeah, well, I, I, I got in a little bit late. But, uh, yeah, I, I really... There wasn't a, I, I figure I'll let the, the, the other people ask questions. There's some things that I like to think about before I just will start asking questions. What do you like, had to think about? You had all summer to think about. Well, it. you know, I mean, A, I don't want to ask something that somebody else has already asked. There's certain things that may be too soon to ask. So you I, wanted to ask Pete DeBoer a question. I did, today, yeah. I, I, I did. Except then the reason why I didn't let you ask a question today. Why? It's because you had a chance this morning well, to ask I, him. I wasn't going to ask him the question. Maybe you know what? Maybe I will ask him tomorrow. I will ask Pete DeBoer tomorrow. I think he will enjoy the question that I have to ask him because I think it'll make him think. But I think I think he will have a a a good answer for me. Give us, can I'll, you I give will, us a hint? I will tell you when we go off the air, Wallace. You'll have to just wait. But I'll, I'll t- I'll, <laughs> I'm 
Okay. <laughs> I will Man, it's it. really going to eat me up tonight I that I don't know what that question is. <laughs> boy, oh boy. Uh, never fails to uh, deliver something unique. It's catching up with Chapman. His own program. Inside the program. <laughs> I'm not going to tell Wallace. <laughs> uh, thanks to Ashley Weiss for stopping by and being on the show today. And Pete DeBoer, who joined us uh, as well. Really cool. Day one of training camp. And the Vegas Golden Knights insider show gets the head coach of the hockey team talking about this 2021-2022 National Hockey League season. Uh, talk to you tomorrow and tee up Sunday's preseason opener. 